de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio, episode 96. I think I've missed doing this. Um, there's a lot. Y'all, I feel like every episode since we began, because that's when Trump was elected, I've been like, oh my God, so much is happening. And it just hasn't stopped. So I don't actually know what other um, words to describe that. But I am thrilled that you are listening to the podcast today. And I trust that we're finding you in a moment of love Um, and if you don't feel the love, I hope I'm able to give you some today. So thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and this is De Colores Radio. Last episode, we were able to check in with the home team, introduce you all to our new intern, Leslie, and bring you the beautiful Los Angeles artist, Sancha. We had an amazing time with her over at the Wild Detectives, and it was nice to see some familiar faces. Um, and there really is so much we have to catch up on still that's happened since. Um, but I do, of course, want to remind you all to check out our freshly launched website, decoloresco.com, where you can order all upcoming Decolores Co. merch, book us, and find out more about who we are. Let me remind you all that you can, of course, directly support us at patreon.com slash Co. where you can find the full raw unedited video version of this episode and you can see that my lip gloss is crooked and I forgot to fix it um, but you can of course donate for at least three dollars a month there and become a squirrel friend homie and or ride or die today that of course helps us to become a sustainable platform which is the goal there's a recession y'all we need the help So we are absolutely thrilled to be bringing on two beautiful souls today whose work I am a big fan of. Taylor Crumpton will be joining us here shortly for the juice and the Babelito of Latinos Who Lunch will be rocking with us a little bit later. So I think that means it's time to bring to bring in my my blood kin, my sister in Christ and in life. <laughs> Not in Christ, bro. I know we went to Catholic school together. <laughs> Can you tell that I've just been running all day and I'm like slightly losing my mind? Just a little bit, but I think I, I'm on that same wave, so I got you. Okay, well, thank you. How are you doing, Pat? Um, I'm doing good. Lots of exciting things happening. I reached You my... don't sound good and it doesn't <laughs> sound exciting. You sound lost and confused. <laughs> Because, I mean... Aren't you supposed to be a little lost and confused in life at times? Um, it's I've reached my one year anniversary of living in New Mexico. Um, Aww, so that's been kind of nice and like a big momentous moment. I didn't, I'm not saying like I didn't think I'd be here, but like it really, like you really get challenges moving away from home. That's and I'm just happy I did it and that I have a great support system of like friends and community members here that have been really welcoming. Um, so yeah. I did it. I shout did out. It. Shout out to you for doing it, Pat. I know that was a big transition in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And you did it. And it's been really beautiful to see your um like your growth into yourself and you know, choosing you in a beautiful new home. So shout out to New Mexico. 
and shout out to your your journey your choices and your yourself thank you (laughs) um how are you doing thank you i prefer for you to ask because i don't like just talking yeah no Uh, i was gonna ask next i know i know i'm telling you y'all i'm i'm just um i am feeling very just a lot of gratitude and also i just you know we're just rolling with whatever life throws our way um i don't even know if i shared last time i know we've told you all before we um are actually pretty boy aaron's managers so we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up with him uh he's actually going to go on tour in the next few weeks so hopefully we'll be seeing some of y'all there with triathlon. Um, so that's happening. And then Catch I've y'all also... both out there. Huh? Doing it. Catching y'all both out there. You'll be there as oh, his yeah. tour manager. I know. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I also have been working with Doris, um, who we also had on the show earlier this year. And uh, the Disney documentary, Miha, which was picked up um is premiering everywhere so i've kind of been in overdrive helping with that launch as well which is also really amazing and beautiful to see because there are truly so few stories for kids of immigrants that Mm -hmm. this one i think is really gonna it's gonna move mountains i think totally Um, so it's just been like a lot of beautiful stuff but it's so much stuff that i feel like my depression medicine is like oh girl we're gonna back up yeah (laughs) That was me. I was like, I was like excited but tired, so I got myself a Baja Blast. No, I'm not even gonna front, bro. I did. You got that today? <laughs> no, I got that on on Monday or Tuesday. I was like, all right, time to get like get like get all this stuff done. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna get myself Taco Bell and got a Baja Blast. I'm glad. You know, whatever works for you nowadays. Yeah, I know capitalism's not the answer, but pleasure is nice. <laughs> Yeah, stuff that brings you joys for a little bit is always nice, so. Of course. All right. Well, those are some of our personal updates. So if you see us both going a little bit wild, um, you know why. But I think it's a beautiful thing to have uh, a lot of good energy and good art surrounding you. So I'm excited for whatever comes next. Mm -hmm. Um, But that means it's time for everyone's favorite I want to give you, our listeners, an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. This is what I consider the modern day diary. That's right, we're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes, it's time for me mood. Go Patty. Okay, so I'm gonna set up the mood so obviously we have a lot of great things happening i'm like excited but also tired um also found out that um one of the mutual crushes i share with a lot of people taika waititi got married secretly <laughs> and this was I like, like how you said mutual crushes that i share with everybody like because i feel like i know involved. like I can count the amount of people I know that also have a crush on him. And I have literally been telling everybody to watch Our Flag Means Death, which he, like, helped show run. Um, So my meme mood is a meme of him from his Instagram stories (laughs) when his daughters 
had um, piojos, which is lice. They had lice uh, like <laughs> last month. And I thought it was hilarious because he had like little chongos on the top of his head. So that's what he has is like chongos on the top of his head. He's got we his know, eyes closed, We know way too much about celebrities. Smirking with the peace sign, <laughs> saying no words really. And that's honestly my mood right now because like I'm very like blessed and highly favored with a lot of great stuff happening for like people we're working with, everything in the art world. We're like stressed also because like monkeypox, COVID, everything's happening, but like no words really, like no words, but like we're gonna just kind of keep vibing and try to be happy while this is happening. So yeah, that's my me mood. Is, I love um, it. Taika Waititi currently. <laughs> With so his, yeah, his head lice. That is, <laughs> like, where do we call? Where are the boundaries with celebrities? We Honestly, he really posts some stuff that I'm like, bro, why are you sharing this? Because then the wedding was like a complete secret. Nobody knows that it happened. But like, I was honestly impressed as like a person that grew like we had lice like growing up. Like kids had it. Fat, not like, a person who grew up having lice. Jesus not like a regular thing. But Your I'm new Twitter like... name. Person who grew up having lice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just honestly entertaining to watch the way the advancements have been for lice and also rich people being able to have access to like have people professionally remove it because like bro <laughs> the things that our family had to do or I need to get into the lice today but maybe next time <laughs> I do feel like a lot of Latinos have a piojos moment and I don't really know what that's about but we can talk about it later <laughs> I, however, want to keep us moving. I'm going to toss, I'm going to toss my me mood to our two lovely people in the room with us. One is our intern and then one of our lovely guests is going to share a me mood as well. Um, Leslie, you want to give us something first? Yeah, you want to you yes. set up the thing before we share your, your, um, your me mood? Well, I already forgot it. I mean, I know I saw it, but I mean, I can't remember the exactly the word. Oh, I was like, how did she forget her <laughs> mood in five minutes? Yeah, okay, well, I'm gonna push play. <laughs> oh my god! This TikTok is um, saying your parents. Leslie. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a passive screaming while Leslie describes the TikTok. The screaming is worse than a horror film. Why do you think I got freaked out when I heard the scream? Is this what you Gen Zers about? Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was so entertaining. It's okay. Your parents don't wear a condom and now you're working minimum wage (laughs) to travel around the world and see a man around a stage um, sing about sushi. So (laughs) I honestly feel this. This Wait, this, I feel like you made this. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so it's very on brand. Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's real. Who sings about sushi? Harry Styles. Oh, see yeah. the caucasity. I do not understand. He sings about sushi. I mean, I don't listen to him, but okay. I know that he has a song called Sushi. Oh, it's a but... real song. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Keep going with your feelings. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I feel this because like I have so many artists that I'm trying to travel to see. Like I'm yes. gonna go to Houston and Austin, and uh-huh. I'm just like, this is a lot. I'm I'm struggling, but I know it's gonna bring me happiness. 
I feel you. I'm like, Elado Negro's show got canceled here in, in New Mexico and they never rescheduled. So I'm traveling, going to Texas to go see him. So I was like, I have to see him. He's one of my faves. And Kaina. Uh-huh. We need that serotonin so for sure. Live music it. does provide a special ounce of serotonin. I definitely agree. Um, well, thank you, Leslie, for that very real <laughs> TikTok. Uh, we're going to bring Taylor up now to share her me mood today. Hi, Taylor. Hey, y'all. What you got for us? Okay, so walk with me, talk with me. I'm very <laughs> much going to set the mood. Okay, okay so what we have is a picture of Megan the Stallion and her yeah. alter ego, Tina Snow, from the music video movie with Little Dirk, which features my favorite people from the Pank from Pea Valley. Okay. Yes. So we got Megan in this beautiful, plucked, secured, laid, icy blonde wig. What this plucked? I'm dead. yes, plucked and laid. Okay, <laughs> wigs should not be worn like baseball caps. Listen. We have made too many advancements in wig technology. <laughs> For baseball caps. Just exist. like Pat said, on the contrary, advancements in head lice. I love how we are using our words today. That's going to be the episode name. Go on. Thank you. It's a journey. Um, <laughs> Megan, nails done. Perfect. Stacks of money. To the, to the head. To Absolutely. the ear. Okay. Absolutely. All right. And then we have all these affirmations, manifestations around Megan's beautiful hair. We have me. Not giving up, abundance mindset, multiple mm. sources of income, learning new skills, stress-free and paid, showing up every day, investing in myself, believing in myself. Ooh. Ashe. I don't Ashe. know what type of mood, you know, people will be when they listen to this, but I think she just gave you a couple of bars, some little That's the, That's the affirmation we all needed today. To really, you know, pick yourself up. I myself want that multiple sources of income you feel me we were just talking about traveling to go see a white man sing about (laughs) now that in particular is not my ministry (laughs) that's that's not what i feel called to do on this earth lord however Uh i would like to travel the world on a man's dime in each sushi hallelujah wow who knew i went to church on a wednesday today (laughs) thank you jesus all right we I, I, there are too many words. I agree. I love it. That's a perfect way to wrap our me moods for today. We love a Tina Snow moment. We love yes. affirmations and we love abundance. So thank you, Leslie and Taylor, for, for taking over my me mood today, which means I can uh, then jump to our next segment, which is the juice and juguito, where we discuss the latest gossip on pop culture, politics news and more i'm very happy to be welcoming the lovely taylor crumpton into the studio today how are you good to see you we i feel like we've talked and known of each other for so long and it's so good to finally be bringing you onto the show honestly i remember binge listening to this show new year's eve as i was doing my ritual of cleaning my house i think i made it through like maybe double digits Oh my gosh, I'm impressed. It's a, especially yes. if you're doing the old episodes, them things were long. <laughs> yeah, those are like two hours. I was starting from the back. I did a real deep clean of my house, so I feel like I'm caught up. <laughs> Hopefully we motivated you because you gotta do that New York New Year's cleaning, not New York cleaning. That's a different thing. Yeah, it's true. 
Oh my goodness. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have so many beautiful, um, multifaceted aspects of yourself that I'd love for our audience to know and, and, and give you your flowers as well. Cause you've been on some amazing work the last several years. Well, I appreciate you so much for those sweet words. Um, my name is Taylor Crimpton. I go, I use she, they pronouns. I always want to start that thing off there. I am a music pop culture and politics journalist from Dallas, Texas. I love the 214 so much. It's tattooed on my titty. And I have 214-469-972 tattooed on my thigh. And I got Texas on my ass. So it's like a real triangle (laughs) of like being a bird. My birthday just passed and my friend literally bought me bird earrings. I say all this to say my bird energy shows up a lot in my writing and what I cover. I'm a young Black queer woman from the South, so a lot of my journalism and the way I analyze pop culture and music and all of the things is from my lived experience and all the intersections of my identity. So that is just a fancy way to say, whenever I look at something as simple as like the Real Housewives, which I love, I'm always going to approach it from a very Black queer feminist perspective, and that is giving credit to Mama Bell Hooks, who passed, who was the first person to be like, we can apply the same theories and like mindsets to like what we are digesting every day um so I'm really dope I mean I am really dope but I'm also like oh you're absolutely dope (laughs) I'm really blessed to have like written for local and statewide and national and international publications um at the age of like 27 I started writing in college at Abilene Christian University um you because they pissed me off about a article comparing Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and saying how they would disapprove of the current day Black Lives Matter movement. So I always give credit to my alma mater for pissing me off so much (laughs) that I felt encouraged to write. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, so prior to that, then you weren't writing? So I started writing when I was an undergrad student at ACU, and that Mm -hmm. happened because I was a student organizer on campus. So I definitely was the girl from Dear White People, where I had like a shaved Mm -hmm. head, and I was like, if we're really going to be Christians, like equity and liberation should be like distributed across all of our programming. Like, that was me. I had the like, my black is beautiful shirt, all of the things. Mm Um, But at the same time, I was in the School of Social Work, which is like a profession very much dedicated, if done correctly, um, to like social justice, human rights, civil rights. So for me, I've always written in alignment with social work. In my current position at D Magazine, this is the first time I'm like not doing formal social work. Mm. So it's weird because like, for instance, you know, right now there's a thunderstorm and I'm like, is the shelter system okay like are the unhoused people okay like there's always a little bit of me is like do I need to go outside like this feels weird so of course no I think that speaks to your character as well right like beyond going to school for it or whatever a lot of the a lot of the best people I'll say because I know a lot of people don't care to have the labels of like activists or organizers or this or that um it's like just genuinely caring for people beyond yourself right Um, And I think that shows up a lot in your work. So it's great to learn a little bit about your background as well. Um, I did have another question for you. And then I want to jump into some of our juice topics, because I feel like you and I could probably talk forever. 
Um, and hopefully one day soon we can we can make that happen IRL as well. Um, but I was wondering, because there has been so much madness, um, especially in the last few years, and obviously like personally, professionally, and just societal, um, in what ways you've been able to find peace in everything that's happening? Yeah, I'm a very big religious and spiritual person. You know, I come from a line of Southern Baptist preachers and just mm-hmm. folks who have always been in tune with spirit. When I was a little girl, my mother was the person who would catch the Holy Ghost and pass out. Like oh, I, wow. to this day, remember Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve service at the Potter's house. So I have always <laughs> had some type of like calling to my work. So for me right. as an Orisha devotee and a hoodoo, I very much find peace in like talking to my ancestors, being in alignment with Orisha. Anybody who follows me on social media, I think will be like, oh, Taylor's posting about an article. And then it's like, what is this in your book? Like what's going right. on? And for me, it's been such a beautiful experience. I found like most black women, Mm-hmm. Orisha's like in Beyonce's Lemonade when she like venerated the Orisha Oshun and a lot of the imagery for it and I was so convinced that I was like a daughter of Oshun I was like black woman the great in yellow she's the Orisha of beauty mm-hmm. to the fact where I in grad school signed up for the trip to go to Havana Cuba for study abroad because oh, wow. fun fact Oshun is the patron saint of Havana and I believe Cuba overall and in Cuba, they practice um, Santaria, which mm-hmm. is a Latinx Creole a sect yeah, of, of Isa. Of course. So convinced. I only went to Cuba literally for like that religious experience and did oh, not find God. a practitioner until like the day prior to. Uh-huh. So she has been with me like since 2018. So it's like 2022 and I've been so blessed through social media, through spirit to like really find like my spiritual home. So I'm the first person to text my friends like, have you meditated? Have you talked to your ancestors? Do you go outside to the fact where like, I know my boss and most people are like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for me, it's just a regular smeggly day. Right, of course. Well, thank you for sharing. I know that's something I would love to dig into more. And I guess if you'll let me just because I, We do talk about spirituality on here. Um, I think fairly often, I think it's embedded a lot into probably like our self-care segment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I know something that I have struggled with, and I think I've started to make more peace with now, is like, I guess the ties between, and this is going to sound maybe extreme to some, but I, if you know the root, you know the root, right? Which is like the connection between white supremacy and religion and or Christianity specifically so how do you how do you deal with those nuances right because that's something Mm -hmm. I had to work through for myself but I don't even know how to describe to someone unless maybe they were also formerly a a Latina Catholic raised person in the south right there's like very specifics to how we present ourselves in the world which I appreciate you sharing as well Yeah, I always say that white supremacy and colonization have affected all people of color, especially indigenous folks, and created this intentional distance, like between, you know, our, the faith of our ancestors, right? And also knowing that for some folks, like your ancestors did practice Christianity, right? But Black folks, Latinx folks, indigenous folks, 
practice Christianity way differently, right? Mm -hmm. Like than like Protestantism or Catholicism, right? And we, when we look at the research, we figure out that a lot of our ancestors, right, figured out a way to intersect or continue the practice of their ancestral traditions under the guise of Catholicism, right? When we look right. at the saints, right? Right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about having an altar, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say things about catching the spirit and falling out. So I think once I started to find like those differences, those disparities and be like, why do I feel this way in the black church? But when I would go to a white church in college, I I, I didn't feel that, right? I didn't feel, mm. feel that presence. So for me, I kind of was like, well, I know what it is for me when I cry out, right? I know what my liberation is. I know what my prayer is, right? I know who my God is, right? And when I found liberation theology in ACU, you know, the God of the meek and the oppressed, you know, the God that folks called on in the fields, right? A lot of times that God, we weren't worshiping the same God. I think there's some famous black woman poet. I don't know if it's Audre Monet, who I love. She's like one of my favorite Afro-Latinx poets. Mm-hmm. But she always says that my God is different, right? Like mm-hmm. my God is different. And I think I walk Ooh. through life like knowing that like we may be all worshiping the same God, but my God is different, right? And that's because yeah. the person who I call on is the same people who my folks were calling on in the fields in the South, on on the boats that were coming over here, on the ways right. of the continent. So it's finding that interpersonal relationship and also like acknowledging all of the other, you know, factors that, that, that impact it. But once I made peace being able to also sing the Psalms that my grandmother would say, as well as crying out to the Orisha and Yorba. And I like honor both of those traditions because that's who I am. I think that's what really helped me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like finding that peace in yourself. I always say never be in conflict with yourself. And also, like, we have ancestors that practice multiple religions and, like, you have access to all of them, right? And they were once human. So I always say just, like, sit down, get two glasses of water, a candle, speak from the heart, speak very organically and see what pops up. Right. How it goes. Well, thank you for sharing that. I definitely, um, I feel like that'll resonate with some folks because it's real right and I think luckily our guest later is um, probably the perfect guest to have on because he does a lot of art history work about colonization so I love I even feel like the divine sets us up in this moment right I'm like I didn't know this about you um, fully like I definitely have seen some on social but uh, hearing it from your mouth and and your um, own roots is really beautiful as well so thank you for sharing that with us and now we're gonna uh, unfortunately have to discuss a demon on this earth which is (laughs) (laughs) which is the best way I could transition that in this moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Everybody's talking about it. I, I uh, intentionally try not to bring up he who shall not be named onto the show very often. Um, But there's certain moments where it's like, whoa, this is kind of a big deal. I guess we got to talk about it. Um, But uh, I guess former president Trump was recently raided by the feds and it's, Actually, the reason I brought it up is because it's fascinating to see how white conservatives react to this. Um, And it's like they love the moment to feel oppressed. And I just think that has been something really astounding we've witnessed in the last year, um, especially. I 
remember this distinctive tweet. It was a quote tweet from, I think, like, Representative, what is it, like, Marjorie Green, Marjorie Taylor. Taylor, and, yeah. And their tweet was, like, defund the FBI. And then the Black Twitter user said, Black voter outreach. Yeah, and I saw that. Yes, that was good. The the tweet, and also I love Black Twitter, proud member of Black Twitter, card carrying member. Oh, you're like a strong leader. Don't 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 act <laughs> humble. We always one thing that Colores is gonna do is salute Black Twitter because it is the reason the internet is funny. Period. But you also are an active leading member. Don't act humble. You're not a you're not a background character. It's not a library card. You got like the badge. That's true. I do be a a, a <laughs> member of Chaos with my mutual yeah. written by Hannah. Um. <laughs> but the, the fact that, like, in this moment, all of, like, the white conservative Republicans are like, could you imagine if this happens to you? And, like, literally every person of color has been like, this happens to us all the time. Constantly. You name like, it, we got it. We are literally being surveillance all the time. Like, I, and our homes are raided. So I think it's just, like, so funny that you could probably pull up the tweets from conservative Twitter and then, like, the tweets that happen after the George Floyd riots from organizers and they were like very the similar yes i've actually been thinking like if the right person that acted like non-party associated spit the right things y'all would both agree with each other at this point like <laughs> i don't know whose campaign's gonna do that but it's it's right there like the fact that y'all are this upset with biden who is by far the most conservative quote-unquote democrat i've I've seen in my lifetime. I'm not that old, but I'm like, y'all, this is laughable. He's literally y'all. Like, I don't get how y'all are not, not a fan, but I don't know. It is fascinating to see. I know Marjorie also tweeted like an upside down American flag. And I was like, y'all look wild. Like this is so much. And it honestly, it, it just makes me laugh. Cause I'm like, what are y'all actually going to do about this? Um, cause I really like, I, I guess I'm so beyond that where I'm like, there's so many other current issues that Americans are having or people who live in America are having specifically that I'm like, y'all do not care. And Biden just keeps sending aid to you, the U not the UK, Ukraine. Um, and we're just sitting here like suffering and, uh, grabbing our candles and everything else, hoping that'll, that'll do it all for us. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> it's part of it. And like, our demand is so much more. We deserve so much better. And we have to keep, we have to keep fighting. Yeah. No choice. It's, it's, it's do or die right here. It's not vote or die from yeah. 2004. No, that way. That's not yeah. the move. But like the one moment that radicalized me the most as a young person was literally working in homelessness where I was like, do you mm. believe somebody should have a house? And they're like, yeah, but not in my backyard. And I'm like, do you believe that someone should have a job with livable wages? Well, they need to go to school. Okay, but a lot of people who are also like homeless or college educated also, I just think everybody is so basically deserving. And people would look at me like, you're a communist. I was mm. like, <laughs> it's just, it is funny though, because it is a lot in the approach. And I think like I spoke to someone recently and it was about a few different things. And each time I said it, he was like, damn, I guess I agree with you. And I was like, it's very basic concepts of just like literally caring for people, but because of all the names attached and extremists and radical and leftists and everybody just panics and it just becomes a joke. So it is a very fascinating time we're in. And so that's where I'm like, 
everybody just take care of yourselves i don't especially poc i'm like y'all take care of yourselves do not stress so much about this it's not our it's not all our fight um but uh we'll move on from there i was very sad to see that one of these shows was ending and then the other one was just kind of like kind of funny i was a little sad too i won't lie i know a lot of people were thrilled which i completely understand Mm -hmm. um but i wanted to just to pour some out for my guys because there were very few hetero men that i could stand watching for hours and these two were probably the only ones that i can truly think of they were and still are a big inspiration to uh who i am and who that what decolores was to be honest which was like um just that reminder to be truly authentic you're authentically yourself rep where you're from be proud of who you are and you can still make it and so I am I was a little bit distraught that my boys Jesus and Miro um wrapped the show and I guess are no longer working together and uh, pour out one for the homies I had the honor of interviewing them like Aww. years back when did COVID hit? It was like 2020. I think uh-huh. I interviewed them for South by Southwest 2020. And the highlight of it is like, I said something and they both laughed. And in my head, I was like, <laughs> I made them laugh. Yeah. I am hilarious. Yeah, and then absolutely. National shutdown and the piece like never got published. Oh, and I was no. just sitting there just like, but I made them laugh. Yeah. Like, I want them to like tell people that like, I'm of funny. Course. Aw, dang. Was it going to be a like a written piece or was it going to be visual? It was going to be digital in print. So it was going to run in digital, but it was like oh, in the nice. print magazine associated with South By. And I was oh, like, damn. wow. Damn, that would have been fire. I'm sad. I didn't, You send me the uh, draft. I'll read it. <laughs> Hi, Key. I may, I may drop it now to be like, this show don't exist no more. Rest in peace. I was hilarious. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. And I've always heard good things about when they were working together. Everybody was speculating why they no longer are working together. Um, I don't know that we'll ever fully know the truth, but I do wish them both well. Trust me, if anyone understands breaking up with a co-host, it's me. (laughs) No shade or nothing, nothing shady over here, but it's facts, right? It happens. People grow apart. You Mm -hmm. change and you keep moving, right? Um, and not Pat over there grabbing her head like, Lord, why'd she say that? But it's real, right? And so I do, I do um, just want to shout them out because they were a big inspo to me and I, I do love and appreciate and wish them both well. We'll see how it goes because that's always fascinating to see what comes next. My favorite meme from it has been like Dylan O'Brien was the homewrecker. <laughs> and I'm just like, also the resurrection of Dylan O'Brien, who I first encountered on Teen Wolf on I believe Back MTV yes. yeah and now he's like all over the place but why like, is he kind of fine that's the thing what happened because <laughs> I truly am not into boys that eat, uh, sing about sushi very much however Dylan O'Brien has a special seasoning and I'm into it I'm like Jesus you keep hanging out with him I guess y'all have fun got a little Lori's on there got a little I've got a little season salt, but I also find Jack Harlow attractive. So in that point, you know, we're gonna let that one slide. <laughs> take me to the cross. The, the tweets are there. Take me to the cross. I am not gonna delete them. When when I saw that him on that Chicken Shack show, have you seen that interview? Mm-hmm. I said I understand now because he has charm, and charm always gets it. And you know who also has similar charisma? 
Timothy Chalamet, there is this meme of him when Kiki Palmer was hosting the Met Gala uh-huh. and he pulled up on her and gave her like the up and down and went like this. Uh-uh, I have not seen that. <laughs> but I am, I am a Kiki, a Kiki fan for sure, especially after Nope. I was like, salute. So I don't blame him. That is hilarious though. I try not to give him too much credit because him and the peach didn't do much for me, but I know it shook the world. It didn't do it for me, however, that high school LaGuardia performance of him being a bar doing Nicki Minaj really sold me. <laughs> I was like, he has that particular flavor. Like there's some regions where white men come from, like a Houston or a New Orleans or a certain part of New York. Just where I'm with like, a lot of urban folks, basically. Yeah, where I'm like, you've had to go through some things. And I don't know how you picked this up, but the man was best friends with Virgil. R.I.P. and best friends with Kid Cudi. So I guess... Listen, he picked up some seasoning. That is for sure. Somewhere, (laughs) somehow. We've never given this much time to a white man on this podcast, and that is okay. I'm just kidding. I think we probably have. Um, But another show that is apparently ending, I... (sighs) I probably would have been really happy about this um a couple years ago when I think I don't know if you agree but Charlemagne used to be way more reckless than he is now and so I am not like a big Charlemagne fan but I feel like he's evolved a little and I am again not one to give that man any credit but it is interesting that they are now ending and so I joked that it was a Jesus and Miro final hurrah for DJ Envy because he was very anti them um but the Breakfast Club which is an iconic radio show um, specifically for hip hop is ending. So I, I wanted to also just shout that out because I thought that was fascinating. All I have to say is that God answers prayers. He hears <laughs> all of us. Janet Taylor. Justice for Janet Mock, who fair, experienced fair. so much like transphobia yeah, and misgendering on that show. Yeah. And it's funny, I saw, I think Written by Hannah tweeted this uh-huh. <laughs> where she was like, they thought we were finna mourn them like Deesis and Mero, yeah. where most of my timeline, which also like my timeline is very much like intentional, like right. black queer folks, black non-binary folks, black cultural critics, rejoiced in the fact that like through that platform, Charlemagne the God, who does not have a political analysis, right? Does not have mm-hmm. like any really understanding of the power and privilege that he holds. Mm-hmm. somehow was able to take that platform and like become this like ambassador figure like for African Americans like all of us remember the infamous Hillary Clinton interview on there Kamala Harris on there Kamala like the Harris. fact that it had grown to a platform where politicians were using it to like pander to black voters and I was like yeah like this this should not be okay. Like I, as a journalist, and like this is me going on my soapbox, I mm. encourage media literacy around mm. folks. Like I feel like there is a direct correlation between the Breakfast Club and the abundance of podcasts hosted by cis black male who really need to go to therapy and not be on the mic off <laughs> Casamigos and Duce with friends saying Real. things. And I will stand by that statement because. Even the fact that Angela Yee gets to present herself as a journalist, where there's been multiple occasions on that show where, like, guests have been, like, prior to this interview, you texted me your hotel room, 
and said X, Y, and Z, right? Ooh, I never knew that. Yeah, that was Gucci Man. I watched it last night. And they've just <gasps> oh, had so shit. many viral moments where I think they have kind of taught a whole entire generation of journalists to care more about like virality than yeah. actually like researching. And all of us can remember Nicki Minaj getting into their ass being like, I don't want to come here because you don't research and this sucks because mm. you're my hometown radio show, but like you're not giving me the justice and respect. So for me, as a black queer hip hop head, I'm glad that it's ending. But right. the fact that Angela Yee is getting her own show, it's like. Yeah, I didn't know any of that part. Yeah. So it's like they're ending because Angela's getting her own show. So. I can only hope and pray that like based on all of the feedback and going through the mud, mm. Angela does better. However, the mm. iconic heat she got from Nikki and K. Michelle in particular will be forever ingrained yeah. in my mind. So listen, thank you. Thank you for speaking the truth. I definitely that's where I'm like, I think I feel bad more so just for like general hip hop heads, not not general as in like the alpha male type but just general like you know because it did they did have some solid interviews so it's just like a moment has ended and I think that's more specifically what I meant when I said that and at the same time I'm like I always wondered like why is Angela Yee on here why is Charlemagne allowed to say these things you know because there it, it was kind of off the rails always and I think that's why it worked because people enjoy chaos and uh I think that's another word for another day. We only have a few minutes left and I have to wrap the juice with, with the lovely Taylor Crumpton. And I don't feel like we have enough time to discuss the levels of the next two topics. Um, but one of them is almost similar to what we just mentioned specifically as far as like uh, heteronormativity in general and how it's approached. And then one of them is very much an evolution that we're seeing lean into like black queer joy specifically. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did want to just uh, tip my hat off more so probably to Beyonce and Renaissance, but also I had been waiting to talk about Kendrick's album as well. Um, and I'm sad we don't have more time, but I want to, I want to <laughs> get as much out as we can with you here, Taylor, because it is, there's a lot to be said. And I think there's a lot of overlap even in what we've already mentioned. I think overlap is the key between these two albums because both Beyonce and Kendrick do address this notion of savorhood, right? Mm -hmm. Like Kendrick very much says a lot of times throughout um, his recent album, like I am not your savior, right? Like do right. not put me in this position. And Beyonce also flirts with that in Renaissance, but you know, in typical Beyonce fashion, she does open up with being like, I'm one of one, like mm -hmm. I'm one Let of a kind. Let me remind you who I am. Yes. And they toy with this binary of like not wanting to be the savior, but also like knowing that they are this kind of like figure, right? They are this pop cultural figure, right? There is scholar and analysis and scholarship like on Kendrick Lamar and Beyonce. However, Beyonce does a better job of allyship especially mm. to the Black LGBTQ community and right. giving respect, reverence, and homage to ballroom, right? Because remember, ballroom is different than being Black and, and queer. You can be Black and queer and not a part of ballroom. They are two mm. different communities with their own icons and histories and studies. Absolutely. 
However, even the fact that Renaissance was dedicated to Beyonce's late Uncle Johnny, a Black queer man who died from HIV AIDS, and even in the Queen's remix of Break My Soul with Madonna, literally naming the Vogue houses, right? The House of Balenciaga, the House of... Yes. Giving, like, very explicit reverence. And for Beyonce, like, this is the first time where she's very much giving that to her fan base of, like, Black queer people and, like, Black gay men especially, right? Being, like, I was exposed to this culture through a family member, through a loved one. And she has gotten critique over the years for not being as, as best as an ally as she could be. And I've been seeing some, you know, still continue critiques from Black queer folks and Black people in the ballroom scene about like how she could do better. And I think that is a blessing because every great artist deserves critique, even Beyonce. Absolutely. And I have a lemon tattooed on my back. But compared <laughs> to something like Kendrick, where he is still very much kind of like toying with, you know, going to therapy and, and exploring his masculinity and even naming that he was a survivor of the soul and like trying mm-hmm. to tell the story of like his gay trans uncle. It felt like so much of a more interpersonal album where we're getting into his mind and still seeing it operate like a chess move. Where right. in Beyonce, we're seeing her escape through the the lens of ballroom, right? Through the vehicle of the dance floor and to kind of imagining this, this club liberatory experience that can only be felt in, in relationships with Black queer people because mm-hmm. to be Black and queer during that disco era was to find freedom knowing that outside you had eight epidemics, you had Reagan, mm-hmm. you had all of these factors that were really impacting. So I think both albums have their, you know, their respect in their own right. However, when Kendrick came out and I was listening to it, I was like, this album isn't for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt very much distant from it as a Black queer woman. Where with Beyonce, I felt like, okay, she's very much speaking to me, right? Both albums touch liberation, but I think one does one so delicately and thoughtful, and one feels still very much like a male gender perspective of liberation. Yeah, and I think that's where you see it, right? It's like the the contrary of like, and this is to keep it, I guess, very um, gender specific, which is like this male that's like going through his own journey, but he doesn't want to be his, your savior. He doesn't want to be in your box, right? Because that's kind of the whole theme they went with for the, for the tour as well, which I thought was really interesting because it's like he knows, he knows he is a flawed ass human and he wants mm-hmm. y'all to know that too. And so once I started to process it from that way, I think I was like, okay. Cause I was like, at first I was like, bro, <laughs> what happened? What is going on here? And then when I kind of stepped back from it, cause I, I did not find it to be like re-listenable. It, it, it definitely was like, Ooh, this is kind of heavy. This is a lot. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, once I saw like the tour stuff come out and all of that, I was like, oh, you are working through shit and you're showing us actively. Right. So it felt like his m- most like, personal album um mm-hmm. which you know is still is still beautiful to have and like something I keep sharing with folks about the album is that I think right now especially we're seeing a lot of people go through their healing journeys and discuss therapy finally and discuss mental health issues and things and it's not like a one-all be-all healing is over thing like you don't go to therapy and break generational curses and it's done and I feel like I'm very curious to see what he does next um because he is a cishet man that should not have approached 
the things he did or his stories the way he did perhaps, but he did it right. Cause he is that flawed as individual, just like the rest of us. And I think that's where it was like, everyone I know that has been talking and or listening to Renaissance on the contrary is like, thank you, Beyonce. We needed this. We needed the joy. We needed the black queer celebration. And that is so beautiful to witness because it, it, it has felt like such a bleak time that to get that and then to see her really truly paying full homage, right? Um, I think is, is exciting to see. And I, I, I look forward to what comes next because there's three acts from her, right? Um, but it was beautiful to see even, you know, Mama Tina opening up about, about Johnny as well and sharing, you know, their experience and how, how he kind of helped raise them as well. And so it's like, I think with Beyonce, because she was kind of like, like a model diva of the early 2000s. It's like, it's, I always feel glad when they let us in a little bit more because um, yeah. it humanizes them for us. And I think that's where we need to, you know, stop giving celebrities so much power um, and also recognize that they are a human that wants to create their art and heal through their art at the same time. Whew. All right, Taylor. Well, I wish we had more time. Hopefully we yes. can connect soon and just, get drinks or food or dance or something together. Um, I do want to ask you, of course, where can we find and follow your work? And uh, I do have one more Dallas-esque question for you, if we can, before we wrap. I love a Dallas question. So <laughs> on across social media, it's at Taylor Crimpton, T-A-Y-L-O-R-C-R-U-M-P-T-O-N. And you know me, one thing I'm going to do is eat. Have a nice little cocktail, throw a little bit of ass. So whatever Listen, combination same. or solo, I got you. Perfect. I can't wait. I look forward to it. My Dallas question is um, something everybody constantly wants to throw around, especially in places like the music industry. I almost get tired of the tweets because it's the same thing over and over again, I feel like, and nobody's getting anywhere and nobody's throwing us any funding. So we're all just like pointing fingers. Um, what do you believe Dallas needs to be the next big city? Mm -hmm. I get this question all the time. <laughs> Infrastructure, mm. community, ego death. Oof, that last one though. Ego death is especially because folks forget there was a time in Houston where the neighborhoods were in conflict. I mean, intense mm. conflict. Like, physical violent conflict right. like not everybody was messing with each other before Houston got its chance to shine however when the opportunity came everyone put their bs aside and was like we need to unite for this right, right. and that is something in which I have always encouraged and will still continue to encourage sometimes Dallas in particular gets such focus on neighborhood and zip code and high school and the very specifics. And yes, that does influence someone's craft and identity and where they come from. Mm -hmm. However, how can we unite under one monolith of being Dallas, even though knowing Dallas is not a monolith. So whenever those opportunities come, we can uplift and bring people to the table instead of just being like, no, only I can win. Only mm -hmm. I can do that. And I think we are in a generation now where folks have endured 
the boogie era in YouTube and the blog era and we're in TikTok. And I hope seeing that a lot of TikTok dance culture comes from Dallas culture, like comes from Dallas boogie, that they'll be like, all right, it's been over a decade. It's time for us to get our shit together and really unite. So I'm hoping for more unification and working together and not more egos. I have a blue check. I'm verified. I have this record mm-hmm. deal, which is always seeming to be like the downfall of Dallas. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you for saying that. I definitely, I will say even since we started the Colores, like unity was our whole goal. And I, I sometimes feel like post pandemic, we're more separate than ever before. And it sucks because right before pandemic, it felt like we were finally really getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just really curious what happens next. Right. But I, I do want to, you know, give you love as well for for putting on for us over at DMAG, because a lot of folks that aren't typically covered in DMAG have now been in DMAG. And I think that has everything to do with your leadership as well. So shout out to you and your amazing work um, inside and outside DMAG. Obviously, these these places, these institutions aren't everything and you're a lot more than just that. So we're so glad you were able to stop by and we love and appreciate you. I love and appreciate y'all. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye, babe. Yay. All right. So that means we are going to throw it a commercial and we'll be right back. Hello, this is our commercial break where I am here to encourage you to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash decoloresco. You can also donate to us at decoloresradio.com slash donate. We've been doing all this amazing work for over four years. We deeply need your support and your help. You can get all the exciting BTS videos, all the cringy moments in between each segment on our patreon so subscribe today thanks hey everyone it's eva here with decolores radio and i wanted to do my own little promo for a company i really enjoy and believe in i am an ambassador so i am not biased but it is actually my favorite mexican candy in the game right now it is dfw texas based and it ships nationwide that is que pica candy I am a literal sucker for the Kepika Gushers and their rim dip. They satisfy that little sour, spicy, sweet craving, and it's got just the right amount of everything. I absolutely love their products, and I hope that you all use my coupon code EVA15 at checkout for a little discount, and I promise you won't regret it. Check it out at kepikacandy.com and follow them at Candy. Super fast shipping, so good. Check it out today. Thanks. Bye. Welcome back. I am absolutely thrilled and honored to have our guests with us here today. Um, the other half of Latinos Who Lunch and a, bi- a brilliant figure in his own right. Emmanuel Ortega holds a PhD art history from the University of New Mexico. He is the Marilyn Thomas Scholar and Assistant Professor in Art of the Spanish Americas at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and a scholar in residence at the Newberry Library for 20 
2022-2023. As a scholar and curator, Ortega has lectured nationally and internationally on images of Autos de Fe, 19th century Mexican landscape painting, and visual representations of the New Mexico Pueblo peoples in noble Hispanic Franciscan martyr paintings. Springing from his research interests, Ortega has curated in Mexico and the United States. His latest endeavor is the upcoming exhibition titled Contemporary Exvotos, Devotion Beyond Medium opening at the New Mexico State University Art Museum in September of this year. An essay titled The Sentimental Fantasy of Misgeneration, no, I butchered that, I'm so sorry. La Malinche in the Popular Mexican Imagery. Imaginary, wow, I am so sorry. I swear I went to school, but y'all scholars, y'all are doing something. Uh, was published by Yale University Press as part of an exhibition titled Trader Survivor Icon, The Legacy of La Malinche, which opened this year in Denver, Albuquerque, and is coming to the San Antonio Museum of Art on October 14th. His book project, Visualizing Franciscan Anxiety and the Distortion of Native Resistance, The Domesticating Mission, is under contract with Rutledge. He is a recurrent lecturer for Arquitopia Foundation for Development, the largest artist residency in Mexico. Welcome to The Colores Radio, finally, the amazing Emanuel Ortega, a.k.a. Babelito. Oof, I'm sorry for that big-ass bio. <laughs> You're fine. Listen, I say give credit where credit is due. Talk your shit. Now's the time. You know, I always do because you rarely see a Latino, queer, border kid doing all these things. And why am I doing all these things? And how did it happen? I have no idea, but I'm riding the wave. And every moment I have to drop all this all these things I do it so thank Listen. you Eva thank you Pat it's so exciting to be here we've Aww. known you all for so long and I want to give a, a big shout out to my student Joshua who always always listen to you all Aww. so I just sent him a text of the screen and he was so Aww. so 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 excited oh, that I was finally going to be in the podcast so shout out Joshua Love you, Joshua. That just warmed my heart and brought me chills. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody that listens in 2022, I love and salute you because <laughs> life is hard. Right, right, <laughs> and if right. you're taking time to listen to us, I, 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 it means the world. But you, this is a long time coming. It's so nice to hear your voice again. I feel like we haven't heard you on a podcast in like a year, over a year now, huh? Yeah, it's been May 5th of 2022. Oh, that was wow. the last episode of... Latinos who lunch and I haven't been in a podcast since I haven't stopped working but yeah. I just haven't been in a podcast I had a dream of doing a music podcast and I was sort of half gathering people but listen, that's the, fun. the academic shit took over and listen I was about to say I try to combine both of those things into this interview because I know that is your other identity but if that's in your dream, you might need to make it come true. It, you know, it it is. But I feel like I have a dream and I have a challenge. And the challenge yeah. is to keep a radical classroom. And if that means I have right. to sacrifice my music 
um, podcast live, I, I have to do that. But I have a beautiful classroom with amazing and beautiful students who I got my first PhD students this semester, like things oh, are wow. happening. So I don't want to let that go. So if there's yeah, a producer course. out there who wants to listen to my idea about a music podcast, give me a call. Listen, that's the thing. Really, truly, that's where I'm like, there's so many brilliant ideas out here. We ha we know that our stuff works. Bring the funding in. We're ready to go. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. we just need the support and funding because there's so much to tell. There's so much we're ready to share. Um, well, I, I definitely want to get back or get into music more later. But I do want to know, you call yourself a border kid. I know we met you in person um, again, over five years ago at, at Podcasterio Fest in LA. And I think that's when you shared it with us that you sort of grew up in, in Texas. So you were our honorary Texan um, right. during that trip as well. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. So I was born in LA, but my dad, thankfully, hated it. <laughs> so he's like, fuck this shit. I'm going oh back to Juarez. So I was five months old and we went back to Juarez, wow. the best thing he could ever done. I grew up there. It wasn't until I was like 13 or 14, something like that. Then we moved mm -hmm. to El Paso. We lived two years there. I went to Monwood High School. Shout out to Monwood High School. <laughs> um, that's where I learned. Nobody has ever said that. Shout out to Monwood High School. <laughs> that's, where I learned, that's where I learned the U.S. tools of hate, race, class, and gender. Oh, Lord Jesus. And they right. will teach you good. They, I just had to like try to find a spot where to eat lunch. And I was like, oh, this is how it works over here. Big, big lesson. So shout out to them. Right. And then um, <laughs> after that, we moved to Vegas. My dad is a construction worker. Vegas was going through a construction boom. Mm. And that's where I got into studying. And we were there. I met Fabi. And, you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first time you uh, wanted to be a part of the art world? Was it once you moved to Vegas or were you already kind of involved prior? I was always in and out of artsy things. When I was when I was in elementary school, I was in theater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Shout, right. out. Shout out theater kids. For years, I did four plays, and it was independent. It wasn't part of a school. We like like we almost traveled with a play, but we were too young. So the university. Damn, y'all were good. Right, we were good. It was fun. Um, and then um, I was in choir. I did national anthem. If my students will listen to this interview, they will be like all of a sudden playing with the symbols of the nation. But that was a long time ago, and I was a kid. Um, and Listen, then, we all had to go through it in this country. <laughs> we did. And we then um, I did photo in high school. And I actually started started um, studying art history in Vegas because there, there was an art critic, a famous art critic. I mean, he's a trash of a human being who just passed away not too long ago. But still, I, he, trying to take classes with him um made me want to be an art historian you know because oh, wow. i read what he was doing and it was so different from anything that i've read before um and i took one art history class within the first five minutes of the of the class i was like oh shit this mm. is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life i remember that moment very very so it, like shook something in you and you really resonated yes five minutes within it I wanted to be a writer since I was a kid and mm. I, I wanted to take an art history class because I noticed that all of my favorite writers were very good 
they describe they they were they were yeah, creating all this yeah so i was like i need to learn about furniture and painting so i can describe the environment where my characters are gonna like interact and nope, I said, nope, I don't want to do this no more. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And now I am <laughs> I am teaching uh, a hate for art history. And if you want to, we can get into it, but we don't have to. No, you have um, to tell me more, please. You and, can't just say that and act like that's normal. Thing to hear. <laughs> it's one of the first things that I'd say in my classrooms, just because my students are like, what am I doing here? But, mm-hmm. but kids need to understand that the humanities are hateful um um disciplines and mm. and there's a lot of things there they rest on a lot of violence wow. and i don't pretend i don't pretend that that's not that's not what's going on so i need to deconstruct how and why that's um i still am in art history because in order to mm. destroy the canon you know you have to like do it from the inside out and hopefully towards the end of the of the of the semester my students learn that it's important to like keep penetrating mm. this discipline so we can change them because there's some value on them but right. unfortunately we it's just it's, it's just a lot of violence it's a lot of history right. and a lot of violence so what you're saying is is that class it's a newer class you're teaching but it's a concept you've worked with for a while any any class any class that right. i teach it's just a it's initial part of who you are then as a teacher yeah i let them Which know that... a brilliant way to approach it right because what we know or maybe what people don't know and they're learning now right is that art in general is just such a white uh space right it it, it, it like most institutions is founded on everything centering whiteness and colonization and everything that comes with it as far as power goes. Right. Like one of my advisors, Francisco Guevara from Arquetopia, um, mm-hmm. th- this residency that, that I work with, he says all art contributes to the displacement of peoples, the extermination mm. of peoples, the, the extermination of the environment. However, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make art uh, but we need to learn this history. We need to learn how we participate in these violences and hopefully we can try to do more ethical, more responsible and more important things, you know? Mm. But the problem is that a lot of people rely on that. That's why the art market is so hateful because it relies on doing nothing but making money and making yeah. a lot of money, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, always yeah. relies on the oppression of another group of, of people. someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something you mentioned earlier, it made me think of a, a quote and cause you said you, you want to attack from the inside. Right. And that's what your goal is. And I guess I'm not trying to challenge it, but maybe I am in a way because there is that quote, that's like the master's tools won't dismantle the master's house. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, how do you, how Lord. do you um, process that from the inside? Right. Because so many of us, even, you know, the person we just interviewed, Taylor, is working in a, a writing institution. It's mm-hmm. one of the it's the biggest magazine of Dallas. Right. Um, but it's like, damn, it, it sucks because there's sometimes where like we can make a lot of progress within. And then there's times where we get burnt out and we're like, OK, I can't do this anymore. You know, and the master tools for me are sort of like the conventions of making art. Like think about painting. We think mm-hmm. about color. We think mm-hmm. about shape we think about form how have we studied uh images through those tools and i try to flip those out right mm-hmm. so let's think about color this let's think about the master tools in a different way and not idealize anything for instance in my class the word beautiful is not allowed 
Mm. And because when you say beautiful, that means that somebody gave it that value. And it right. also means that it's opposite exists in the world. And what makes something ugly? Mm. And that's sort of the master tools that have been used to categorize people, you know, right. from, from insects to people, like everything. So yeah. like understanding that the hatefulness of those master tools and i'm not saying that i'm going to change the whole discipline but right. just having an idea right that this is the this is what we have to work with then it allows for new interpretations right. and new ideas and i i've i'm very proud to have produced students who are making beautiful shit out there mm. just look i use that word <laughs> See, it happens to all of us. Well, right. and I, I appreciate your approach though, right? Because what you're saying is you thrive off of the constant challenging of whatever we see as norm or as quote unquote beautiful, especially in a place like the art world, which I would say most people have been afraid to really challenge in that way from an art history perspective, mm -hmm. um, just because that one is so, I don't know. I feel like it's so specific and I'm, perhaps I'm a little bit ignorant in this regard, but I, I don't know a lot of um, like POC art historians in general. And right. so that's my own, that's because I guess I just focus in on the artists and whatever, but I am curious then like who's inspired you on this journey and, or like who are other names we can look up because I know you cover the Spanish Americas, but there's so much more that goes into this work. And I can, I also wonder how you stay grounded in all of this because it's so heavy um some of the things you discuss i know anytime you've discussed um you know what's happened to the natives and genocide and this and that i'm like ooh, like i i need to learn this and also it it, it kind of breaks you down you know my biggest inspiration it's my family mm. and that includes my husband and that includes my advisor kirsten pie buick she actually we interview we interview her for the podcast mm -hmm. and um, and the, the people that my, my mentors are Kirsten Pye Buick, um, are Francisco Guevara, which I just mentioned, mm -hmm. and Annette Rodriguez. Yeah. Those are three people that have been in the podcast and Latinos who launched. You can listen to those episodes, but they are always slapping me in the face. Always, mm -hmm. always, always, always. And one of the things that I learned from them is to decenter myself, to understand mm -hmm. that this is not my pain. Right. That although I am part of the consequences or benefiting from the privileges of all this colonial shit, mm -hmm. this is not my pain. And this is something that I push my students to do. That's good. That's good. Decenter themselves um, from from all of that. Um, it's it's hard. Like when I first started studying um, this subjects in school, I couldn't sleep, girl. Like mm. I could not sleep. Yeah, that's why I'm like, it's heavy stuff. <laughs> it is. And you have to, not only you have to learn it, you have to like teach it. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just, again, when you, when you decenter yourself and when you focus on what's important, I got to a point where I remember telling myself, I'm not going to be rich and that's okay. Mm. I remember this was kind of like a controversial topic in the podcast. I remember having that conversation with myself. I remember having that conversation with my parents. I remember sort of like making amends with that and also mm -hmm. learning that I have my, my, the people that I love and respect that I will protect and they protect me. So what, coming back to that, coming back to the fact that I'm, I'm, I am my son's father. I am my mother's son. Mm. I am my sister's brother and my husband's right. husband, you know, yeah. like 
the that roots. keeps me grounded. Mm -hmm. And also anime at night. <laughs> I have to. I have, my, my brain has to melt. So music and anime makes me recharge for the next day. Always. Oh, yeah. Always. Well, I know we don't have too much more time with you, but I want to try to get in as much as I can because there's obviously a lot to discuss. I do appreciate always your knowledge surrounding like colonization as far as Latinidad and art goes in general, right. because they are things that like and, and I would even want to hear more about maybe another day like even in y'all's journey as LWL, like when y'all began, it was very like, ooh, representation matters. And by the end, it was like, representation is farce, you know, like. <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah, it's, it's just like really fascinating, right? Because now we're in a time where it's like, everybody's kind of exploiting culture to make profit for themselves. And yeah. I'm like, oh God, this is not doing anything for us, right? Like, I don't want to even eat a concha anymore. Like I'm just <laughs> tired of it all. Right. And so that's where I'm like, how do we find comfort or like just solace and understanding how Latinidad is rooted in white supremacy right. and also like that is part of our identity. Right. And right. like, how do we keep pushing from there? It's, I think it's for us or um, for, for me was learning not to rest on to be, mm. but rather than to do. What does that mean? So, for example, I'm going to say, let's think about identity in terms of an art, like a painting. Right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want my students, I don't want to explain you what this art is. I want to tell you what it does, what mm -hmm. it's been doing, what its historical context is, what it does to me now, what it's maybe doing something tomorrow, what it did in the past. Right. Understand that a painting like our identity are processes. So I never talk about identity. I talk about identification. Mm. I never talk about gender. I talk about gendering because those are things that have been done to ourselves, right? right. It's about like actively done. Exactly. Racing, um, gendering, all of that. So those are processes that we need to understand. And to understand that we're part of a process, it's so liberating, Eva, mm -hmm. because it pushes to understand that we're conchas but we're also this and we're also that and tomorrow fuck conchas and maybe the day after tomorrow i love conchas again you know and like, i want some with some uh cafecito real quick yeah and if you want to put chile like god bless you know like we can do whatever we want the problem right. is that when you rest on to be and you rest on the idea of identity as being an anchor mm. everybody is going to see you as one thing and yeah. that's where the visibility dangerous thing can't comes comes forth because people mm -hmm. only see you in a way that they authenticate themselves oh i have let's say i'm a white person oh i have this fantasy about mexico you fulfill that fantasy by resting on that idea of of a concha or whatever you know like and i hate that i hate that i hate yeah. to fulfill anybody's fantasies mm. um so I'm always pushing my students to think of, to never rest on to be, to never rest on identity, to always think about identification and to always think about process. A painting is a process. This stupid wallpaper is a process. <laughs> and I'm a process, you yeah. know? I love that. That is so true because it is very limiting. And I think you said to do rather than to be, correct? Right, yes. And I think that's, it, right because I know 
we've discussed organizing and activism a little bit earlier. And I, I mean, if you've listened to our show, that's been abolition work has been a root of who we are since the mm-hmm. jump. And at the same time, it was like, we have a hundred percent evolved from the beginning of the podcast right. to now. Right. Right. Um, or even with things like liberals and this and all these terminologies. Right. And so right. it is very much now where I'm like, it didn't matter if Kamala Harris was a daughter of immigrants when she told y'all not to come. Right. So like she used it and then exploited us. Right. Because we fell for it. Um, And we is just maybe general, right. Not specifically me. Um, But it is fascinating because I think that's where it is like a really slippery slope Mm -hmm. and it takes um, knowledge like this. Right. Which that's the other difficult part is like so often you can only find this in academia. And and so that's why I think these podcasts and DIY sort of things are so important. Super important. So that we can bring this education home, right? And we can bring this education to the hood because we can't all afford to go to school. And all right. of this knowledge is our history, right? It is right. part of who we are. Um, and so it's so beautiful the way you describe it. And I'm so glad that you're you're still... Um, teaching for as lo- however long you're supposed to be, right? How- however long it's is meant for you. And that's the reason why when somebody asked me, hey, like, I put your name for a job in Yale. I said, fuck that. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to work there. Yeah, I want to work at UIC where UIC was constructed by displacing mm. like a neighborhood of Mexicans. Oh, wow. Where like Mexican students have been wanting for somebody to talk about their culture outside of a professor going to Cancun for spring break. You know mm. what I'm saying? So like, I want to stay in a state school for that reason. That's the reason why we had the podcast. To me, that's that was super, super important. You know, like right. I always go into this tangents and it gets like super serious or whatever. And like, that, that's why like Justin, like always like brought it down to earth. And that was, <laughs> that's probably one of the reasons why this shit works so well, right. you know? But I that's one apps aspect. Like I'm super busy. I'm doing a lot, but that's one aspect of the podcast world that I felt like the teaching philosophy and the podcast philosophy were becoming one. Mm. And I was able to go to the classroom and then finish my class and then go home and record. And it was the same thing. Yeah, a little less fucks on one right. and the other. <laughs> but it was exactly it was right. exactly the the same thing. So of course we need sort of like these platforms. I cannot imagine how my career would have developed if I would have had role models mm. like the ones we see now in social media and in um, in the podcast world. So this is right. absolutely essential. Mm, thank you. I, I definitely agree. I wanted to ask because we don't we only have a couple more minutes late, let's, left. Let's 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 go. But I I it. am curious if there is anything because I would love to have more of a, a discussion and maybe there's an event or something we can do in the future to have a, a, a further conversation. Um, I know Pat mentioned it's Pueblo Revolt Day, and I was also curious, more so like for someone who is unfamiliar with the severity of colonization in the art world, what is something um, that you wish more people knew about and or how they can get more familiar with these with these concepts? There's two things. Um, one, that anytime you see an, a piece of colonial art, be it La Virgen de Guadalupe, you know, the most important of all time created literally yeah of in at least in the americas you know 
Mm-hmm. I wish like Beyonce will do a video in front of the Virgen de Guadalupe instead hey, of she needs to come on back down Mona to Texas. Lisa. Come back to Texas, we'll make it happen. Um, so every time you see a, a, a piece of visual culture from the colonial period, we got to remember that that was created with the anxiety of the resistance of mm. Native peoples. Mm. Like Native peoples never stopped. There was people. Speaking of like when you mentioned my bio and La Malinche and the mm-hmm. encounter and the conquest, sort of like we we we're, we're not we're still celebrating, not celebrating, but commemorating the 500 year um, fall of Tenochtitlan, which was the capital city of of the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. So we always talk about one invasion. We always talk about one conquest. Mm. We always talk about one encounter between indigenous and European, and we rest on that one. But there were hundreds of encounters with thousands, hundreds if not thousands of indigenous um, groups. And Mm. they were not even indigenous. Like that's a fucking war that the Europeans made up. Do you know that in Mexico, I always say this, and this comes Mm -hmm. from one of my advisors. Do you know in Mexico... The word indigenous in the 63 languages that are not Spanish does not exist, mm. right? So, like, there's so many things that we need to start learning um, about the colonial period. And the main one is that, is that the fear of Native people regaining their independence, regaining their their lands that were stolen, it's something that fuel everything, 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 everything about the colonial period, from a little sculpture of a virgin all mm-hmm. the way to to the biggest program of of architecture you can imagine. So I know there's a lot of people say, fuck that, let's erase that. We cannot decolonize because decolonizing all of that will be to erase all that pain and all that fighting right. and we need to and recognize what, what really happened <laughs> right and we need to recognize like we need mm. to recognize all of it everything that that happened so instead of for example going back to what i said earlier instead of having my students learn these paintings because they're beautiful I, they learned uh, they learned from them the idea of anxiety you know more than mm. anything Ooh-wee. I love it. I, I don't know. You know, it's funny because that's the beauty of uh, connection, right? I'm like, I know when we first met, we were all in love with each other and yes. I was going to marry you and Justin <laughs> and I was ready for it because I said, you know, if nothing more, I'll have two queer husbands and it'll be all right. But I, I just I, I, I am also curious then and I, I know Pat um, wants to wants you to explain what Pueblo Revolte is. Mm -hmm. But I do want to shift also then to um, like what you've been up to uh, post podcast as well. Yes. So the Pueblo Revolt, which I call the Pueblo Revolution, um, was an event that happened in August of of 1680. Mm. And it is the only revolution, successful revolution of an indigenous group Again, using that word, right? <laughs> um, that they actually expelled the Spanish from oh, their wow. land. So the Pueblo peoples of New Mexico were independent for more than a decade. That didn't happen at all in the three hundred years of Damn. colonization of the Spanish, and that happened in New Mexico. 
there was a full-on revolution. There was an organization, and 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 nobody talks about it. Imagine if our school system, you yeah. started like our history <laughs> of the U.S. with yeah. talking about the first revolution being fueled by indigenous groups, for example, mm. for by natives groups. So that's yeah. that's something that we need to learn. And we need to 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 understand. And I say revolution because in and we do this all the time. In order to make something less important than what it is, we change the language. So the authorities call it a revolt because it's like oh, un par de indios revoltosos, right? But no, yeah. bitch, it was a full on revolution, and we need yeah. to celebrate it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you teaching me because I am just a good old Texan girl. I don't know nothing about that. I said the Battle of Puebla, that is May 5th. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I definitely think that's, that's, you, you hear now I'm going to, I can't say beautiful. I can't say indigenous. No, I can't. No, it's, but it really, it really <laughs> is not about that. It's about the ways in which the context and when it mm -hmm. comes to like learning and trying to deconstruct the canon, I, I mean, there's things we're attracted to that's different, you know, than, than right. valuing it as beautiful. But no, no, no. Like, we, I feel like that's one of the things that I don't miss from social media is that we police ourselves so much that we forget to police the big people up there mm -hmm. who are doing all this bullshit. Hey, so, I'm doing both at the same time, so I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. You know what? And I, I, getting my news from you, it's the most refreshing thing. Your commentary, it's so on point mm. and it's a breath of fresh air. And I can tell you and my students who listen to you. So it's always a blessing to Thank hear you. from you. So you're tired, I'm tired, and it's an uphill <laughs> battle, but God bless you for that. Yeah, God bless us all, honey. It is <laughs> it's it's it takes all of us, right? Like everybody in every aspect of life has a role, right? And and we owe no one anything. Right. right. But we right. owe we owe ourselves like love and care. And that's where I'm like, I wish we didn't put so much pressure on on things like academia or on things like our career or on whatever. Right. But because of how capitalism combined with, um, you know, white supremacy, colonization, et cetera, it is it truly has us at wit's end, you know, and, yeah. and we're seeing it kind of crumble to a degree right now. And the way that they're trying to like clean it up and sell us some other form of this dream that we're all kind of laughing at at the moment, right? Right. So it's super fascinating to see, but it is an honor, of course, to to be heard by you and your students and anyone. Again, I truly mean that. Like, there is a lot going on, but getting this space um, and having listeners five and a half years later means so much still. Um, and I also want to. You know, I assume you've been up to all the the amazing things you've already told us, but shout you out. And I know I've given Fabi his flowers already on the show, um, but both of you did create something so powerful. And so here you are, you know, over a year later without the show. And I think that speaks to the quality of work you all shared with us, that it still stands, right? And every time I see... Um, or I go out and meet people. I told Justin this the other day, eight out of 10 times, people tell us they learned about us through Latinos Who Lunch. And <sighs> I think that's really powerful because I'm like, we've been covered by many major networks at this point. And the fact that it came from like our padrinos tells me that like y'all really loved us and y'all really supported us. And that 
means so much because it literally takes us supporting and loving each other and caring for each other to keep going, you know? And so I do want to thank you all for your hard work for the several years you did it for having the uncomfortable conversations for kind of helping pave the way and, and opening y'all's hearts to us as well, because Latinos Who Lunch was a big deal. I'll always say that. I'll always say that those first Podcasterio podcasts were, we were, we paved the way. I absolutely um, know that to be fact and right. I will never pretend otherwise. <laughs> the, one of the, thank you, of course, like it means a lot. And one of the things that I appreciate more about the podcast, and I was just talking to this, to about this with somebody else, is the fact that I was given a platform by Justin mm. to publicly learn. Mm. And that's something that nobody can take away that's from That's true. Me. That's what this is, right? We learn with people. Yeah. The fact that we created an environment where we were not canceling each other. Instead, we were giving each other time and space to learn we made mistakes we say stupid shit we say wonderful things we created wonderful stories and and events and friends like mm -hmm. you all which we're still friends Absolutely. um so it, it, that's something that it's invaluable and and that's something that i take you know in my heart so every time i talk about the podcast it's that's the main thing mm -hmm. i was again a border kid you know, <laughs> resting on to be, <laughs> right. um, you know, this kid had this platform that became huge. It was, it was big, you know, it was huge. <laughs> and, I, and I was allowed to publicly learn to say stupid shit mm -hmm. to, I apologize maybe once in the podcast, I don't regret anything, mm -hmm. but I'm very, very thankful that people allowed us space and time to learn. And, and, you know, like if we would, we would sort of learn a little bit from from that, from publicly learning. Things will be a little bit um, different. Um, right now, I'm working on a billion things. I'm working <laughs> on a bunch of academic stuff. But my most exciting thing is an exhibition that Ooh. opens in the New Mexico State University Museum of Art on September 30th, which also falls a couple of days after my 40th birthday. So oh, how beautiful. It's going to be a huge, um, a, a huge um, party. So come That's on down. That's a double pachanga. Un pachangón, güey, que no tienes idea. <laughs> so we, um, we have three galleries, one historic gallery, which we have 19th century ex-votos. And ex-votos mm -hmm. are these like small 10 paintings, mm -hmm. mostly from the 19th century. Mm -hmm. And it's just a painting that where people say, I want to say thank you to La Virgen de Guadalupe for allowing me to survive an accident. Sort of like votives and thank you notes. Imagine like, like a community board, but like from the 19th century. So what I did in this exhibition is I paired 13 contemporary artists. So artists are responding to that, including Fabi. Um, he's one of the artists from the exhibition. So I'm like, we have... who is that? No. <laughs> I don't know her. Um, we have 13 artists, and then we also have historic galleries. It's going to be a big, big show. And even though I'm not on social media, you can see my curatorial process on TikTok. So if you go to the NMSU Art Museum wow. um, TikTok, you will find me, you know, being a nerd. And oh, I'm going to go look for it. Do. 
Búscalo, mujer. I still, Listen, I'm very excited. Decolores just started their TikTok account, so we can go like and uh, repost or whatever it's called. Shout out our intern, Leslie. <laughs> But I'm sorry, my, my dog is just over it. Whenever the podcast goes too long, he's like, you need to wrap this up and go eat because we're tired. <laughs> same, same. La pet, la pet follows us. So I've seen the pet liking our stuff. So, oh, good. so they, know, they know what's up. Well, beautiful. I'm so glad to hear you're doing all these things. I want to try to somehow make my way to New Mexico by September 30th because I, I would love to celebrate you and I would love to see um, the amazing art show. I think we were able to see the one you curated in Vegas last year, um, which was exciting. So when I saw your name on the wall, I was like, oh, I know him. And I uh, Ahí vamos a estar, ahí va a estar el Fabi, my family, family from Juarez is coming. It's oh, like a, she... It's like a homecoming, so come on down, everybody. Invito, después se va a hacer como la quinceñera de Rubí. Tiempo de vals, tiempo para vivir. It better be better than uh, Rubí's quinceñera, because that was an iconic moment for the, for the Latinx community, as I That's like to right. call it. That's right. That's well, right. I do have a little game for us and then I'm going to send you your merry way. And then we have to wrap the show because y'all are apparently going to keep hearing Teddy bark um, <laughs> because he is over this, but we're so glad you joined us. Our game is a Patreon exclusive. It is a rapid fire game. I'm going to list something off or say something and you tell me the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. I think I, I get more nervous than our guests because no, I just wait, know. No, wait, because I, I can reveal things that I might not want to reveal, but let's do okay, it. Okay, well, well, good thing it's for Patreon, so not everybody gets to hear it. <laughs> um, all right, ready? Favorite current visual artist? Francisco Guevara. Hot Cheetos or Takis? Takis. Frida Kahlo or Diego Rivera? Ninguno de los dos. <laughs> Pozole or Menudo? Menudo. Best Latin indie band of all time. Café Tacuba. <laughs> I knew the answer. I just wanted to ask. <laughs> Overrated Mexican icon. Frida fucking Kahlo. <laughs> Song you cry to. Oh my God. So many. <laughs> right now I'm in, in this whole entire thing where I'm reviewing the, the, the career of this Brazilian Um, Tropicalia singer from the 60s oh. and he has a song called Quero Ser Justo, I Want to Be Just and that song gets yeah. me every single time. Oh, you gotta time. send it to me, I want to cry. Caetano Veloso, check it out. Thank you, thank you. Weird smell you enjoy. Plead the fifth. <laughs> oh, now we're always gonna wonder. I didn't know what you were gonna say, I was waiting. Dang, he said, Please I can't tell y'all. Because I can't well, think of that... anything but that. <laughs> I'll find out on the, September 30th when I give you uh, <laughs> two mezcals. Um, thank you, sweet Babelito, for being on the show. We love and appreciate you. And you're welcome back anytime. Just tell me, to this sapo yo brinco. I love. Ooh, I like I, a frog. <laughs> I love, I love this. I love your show. And uh, again, thank you for what you're all doing, for being, for staying strong for so long. We really mm, appreciate it. Not me crying. I haven't and, even heard the song yet. <laughs> and of course, I will be here whenever you said so. Ah, uh, we love you. Thank you. We wish you continued success and and. Uh, just deep admiration because working with youth and, and teaching them what they need to know is, is the ultimate gift. So thank you, friend. We love you. Besos y amor a todos. Love Pat, you. love you. Bye-bye. 
All right. Thank you so much to Babelito for joining us today. And thank you all, of course, Latinos Who Lunch, everybody who's been a part of this podcast movement for helping pave the way for us and being such a darling friend. Um, that means it's time for some grounding. We can take a breath. I need several. Um, and it's kind of funny because our guests kind of alluded to this as well. Um, but my self, oh, I gotta, I gotta sing. Y'all ain't ready for these vocals. <clears throat> Self-care corner. <laughs> um, it's very simple, but it's something that I've realized, especially as things are, are somehow speeding up, even when I didn't think I could get more busy. And that is to accept things as they are. And it's a very simple concept, but it's sometimes very hard for us to do. Um, and I really think that as I'm rolling with these high waves and low lows and up and down is that realizing that some things are just as they are and there's nothing I can do about it is enough. And so that is what I am running with for this week's self-care corner. And I believe that means it's time for our brown and black business of the week. And Pat, I'm going to bring you up for it, even though I'm the one who ate the place that we're about to do. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me on this segment that I have not tried the food yet, but I'm excited to try. I feel like I've made a list of foods I want to eat when the next time I'm in Texas. So I hope we're like stopping at places when I'm there. That's um, fine. I hope you have the budget as well. I'm, I'm going to try and find it. I'm going to try and find that budget. <laughs> but I'm manifesting the monies to buy food in, Here in Texas. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, so our brown and black business of the week this week, um, I know that I believe you and Leslie were talking about it when in our zine meeting about how good the food was, maybe? Yeah, um, it was tasty. So this business is called Hope Boys Kitchen. Um, you can find them at on Instagram at, at dopeboy two the number two hope boy mm -hmm. um i am going to look for info it says they are um a vegan chef food trailer that are that's on polk street 1300 south polk street in dallas texas um it says they're there from tuesday to wednesday five to eight saturdays and sundays one to five um so i'm assuming they have like a regular schedule there let us know what's on the menu Eva. what did y'all try what did y'all eat what do so i need to try I had just seen them on a, I think it was Dallas Morning News article where oh. the owner used to be a dealer and now deals vegan burgers. So that's oh, that's why literally dope boy to to, to oh. boy, wow, um, which is a really fun a fun story, not fun, but like a real ass story, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then the food was good as hell, and we all liked it. I was stuffed for the rest of the night, which sometimes with vegan food I get a little hungry afterwards. But it was really delicious. I really enjoyed it. The customer service was great. Um, they were parked outside of Tyler Station, if that means oh, anything cool. to you all here in Oak Cliff, Texas. Um, but yeah, I think they do sort of like pop-up style. So you'll probably have to follow and check them out for when they actually um, are serving food. But it was really delicious. Uh, beautiful Black business. Go support that. And now I'm giving Pat's favorite segment back to Pat for who you got. Home to Coco. Um, so I've been watching mostly a lot of TV because, you know, um, it's been, it's been a busy time. So I've been decompressing 
And I know we've been talking about this. We even talked about this with our artist, Aaron. Um, but rap shit, I, I don't know if you're caught up, Eva, but man, that show is so good. Like, like Issa obviously knows what we need because it took me a second with like the technology and the social media concept of it. But like all the actors are so great. Shout out to Teddy in this little cameo. Look at the little dude um, for those that can't see or our family pet is currently on here. Eva, you're muted. I can't hear you. So let me unmute you. Oh, I was going to say subscribe to our Patreon so you can see me petting Teddy. Yeah, it's the best. Um, but yeah, no. So did you catch up to rap shit? Because I... I love how I told you to watch it. And then now everybody's beat me. I told Aaron to watch it. And now he's beat me. Well, I, I think I like watched the first first episode and a half when it first dropped because everybody on Twitter was like, ah, it's out. And I was like, oh, snap. But then I didn't fully pay attention. So when you started talking to me and Aaron about it, I was like, okay, let me go back to it. And then I just sat there and watched like all episodes. No, it's And then fun. Lizzo's show I binge watched too. That was my other. Oh yeah, that one I That loved. was a lot of fun. I'm really happy that it was Emmy nominated. Even learning all the di different dancers and stuff made me really excited. And like, I loved every second of it. Well, but yeah, what's, what, what's who, who do you have? Who do I have? Well, I have, uh, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been just running amok. And to be honest, the main thing I've been consuming regularly is Renaissance by Beyonce. Of course. Yeah. Um, I cannot stop listening. I think it is a no skips album. I think it is really strong. If you know me, you know, I love to dance and this is all that. Mm -hmm. um, so I absolutely adore it. And then besides that, I've been turning to full-blown escapism, and I've been watching F-Boy Island, which I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed. And I also got into Love Island UK this season, oh. and that's been entertaining. I don't think that those are the best shows in the world. However, <laughs> when you are exhausted and don't want to use any more brain cells, it is very entertaining. <laughs> I feel you. So that's what I've been on. Um Honestly, I'm still listening to Bad Bunny as well. It's a really same. Good I think I've been listening to Renaissance and Bad Bunny. That was the only ones I listened same. to. Same. That's why I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, and then I, I listen. Then I started listening to Dochi's EP a lot. Oh that yeah, shout really out good. to Dochi. I did like the new Rico Nasty as well. So those are some smaller artists that deserve just as much love as the big dogs. But I think that means we can wrap the show. Pat, do you want to wrap it for us? Because I love you all, and I have a dog on my lap. Yeah. Here I go. That wraps it up for us here at The Colores Radio. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Hope to see a lot of you with us on tour with PBA, Pretty Boy Aaron. I can't wait. Um, hopefully see you on some of the Southwest dates. Um, but Eva will be there with Aaron. So y'all go, go support them on the tour. Go buy merch, all those good things. We just relaunched our website, decolorisco.com. So go check that out. Major thanks to the Decolores team, Taylor Crumpton for joining us, and Babelito for stopping by and sharing space with us today. Go support both of their work. I know that Taylor just wrote a, a great piece on, on Essence about uh, the Renaissance album. Special thank you to all our squirrel friends, homies, and writer dies on Patreon. Remember, you too can become a financial supporter of Decolores Radio's family today and get early access to exclusive content on patreon.com slash we truly cannot go on without your support subscribe whenever you wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a darn review we'd love to keep growing so if something resonated with you in this episode or you just enjoy our work 
please share it with everyone you know. We're now officially on TikTok. You can find us at Decolores Co., same as all our other social media platforms. Post it on the gram, reshare it. Get us out there. Shout out to Leslie for making this wonderful TikTok. Um, tweet us. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow Eva at Eva Regin and myself at pat.arregin. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Our audio editor is Jeremy Pesina. Hey. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Thank you so much for again for joining us today and see you next time on The Colores Radio. Bye! I love seeing you run out of breath after Bro, I can't even, I'm not even seeing myself because I'm reading it, so I'm like, hopefully that was good. Imagine if the radio, the whole show, that's the whole show. This is now the whole show. Period, The Colores Ho Show. Ending episode now. Bye!